Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Consider becoming a Texas Football Insider, our subscription package at TexasFootball.com slash insider. Besides helping to make shows like this possible, you'll also get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts, our archives. We've got all 60 years of the magazine digitized, recruiting analysis, and must-see insights from the Dave Campbell's Texas football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider at texasfootball.com slash insider. That's texasfootball.com slash insider. And thanks for listening. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Make sure you catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and on Facebook. And if you like the show, subscribe on the podcast vendor of your choice. Give us a positive rating and tell a friend. <laughs> hey, how to sing, Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show on the internet. My name is Greg Tepper. I am the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, TexasFootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at TexasFootball.com or on Facebook, or you're listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I'm sitting here... Sitting over there, always cold. <laughs> it's the Duchess of the Dorks. It's Ashley Pickle. Howdy. That was one thing that yeah. I yeah. I discovered about you this weekend as mm-hmm. we were. She's just always cold. She's always cold. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, and then there was one point we were riding in the car. Like, I kind of had my jacket kind of using it as a blanket because I didn't want to take off my seatbelt and put it back on. And he goes, are you cold? Like, you could have said something. And I was like, I'm always cold. So I've just kind of gotten used to not really telling people, like, oh, I'll just cover up with my jacket like i don't even think about it anymore okay well i just want to let you know that like if we're ever if i'm ever driving a car that you're in and you are cold just let me know i can try to fix it (laughs) you know well yeah i mean i'll tell you if i get like unbearably cold but if it's something i can like put my hands under my jacket and warm up a little bit then i just don't say anything uh and over here is ishmael johnson hi ish yo what's up uh how are you good yeah you have a good weekend yeah pretty good good uh, okay, do we have first four through the door? We sure do. It is uh, Stephen Cassie, Matthew McSpadden, Rob Hathaway, and Daniel Agnew. Welcome Hi, friends. In, guys. Today is Monday, February 10th, 2020. 290 days until Thanksgiving, episode 900. We are 100 away. 900. Uh, this is the ERA for uh, Omar Beltre in his illustrious Texas Rangers career at those seven unforgettable innings in 2000. And ten. Are we getting kind of close to like running out of stats here? Mm-hmm. You don't got to worry about this. <laughs> you don't got to worry about this. On today's show, guys, uh, we are going to have some headlines from around the state, uh, including uh, there was a new league. There was there was football played in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. We will talk about our first impressions on the XFL, and then back half of the show, uh, we've got a big time guest. We're going to be hearing from the head coach of the Orangefield Bobcats. Uh, it is Coach Josh Schmalley will join us to talk a little bit of Bobcats football uh, realignment. They got uh, tossed into a wood chipper for a realignment. <laughs> We're going to talk about uh, his new realignment, all the fun stuff. But it was an historic year in 2019 for the Bobcats. Excited to talk to Josh Smalley, the head coach of Orangefield, coming up here in just a little bit. 
But first, some headlines from around the state from the weekend. Uh, we will start uh, in Fort Worth. Uh, that Fort Wor- that uh, TCU has added a new um, assistant to their staff, and as a name that's uh, that's relatively familiar, it's Jerry Kill. Mm-hmm. Jerry Kill, the former Minnesota head coach, is going to join the staff uh, at TCU as a special assistant uh, to Coach Gary Patterson. Um, Kill and Patterson are uh, tight, real tight. Kill was the best man at Patterson's wedding. Oh, wow. Okay, like yeah, they are buds. <laughs> Serious. They are buddies. Uh, uh, Jerry Kill uh, was best known. He was Minnesota's coach from 2011 to 2015. If you remember, um, he was um, he had to step down because of some health issues. I mm. want to say epilepsy. Yeah, he suffers from severe epilepsy, and he'll like I think. I want to say before he stepped down, he had a seizure. I don't, I don't know if it was during a game or during practice, mm-hmm. but he had to step aside for a couple games, and then I believe it happened again, and so he had to step down from Minnesota. So he was a guy, and, and, and I don't know, but forgive my ignorance here, uh, epilepsy can be, like, like seizures can be caused by stress and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, okay. So, it's, you know, obviously, I, I hope you guys know this, but being an FBS Head coach or FBS coach, period, or mm-hmm. football coach, period, at any level can be a relatively stressful gig. Uh, but Jerry Kill was then, he was the associate athletic director at Kansas State in 2016. Uh, he was offensive coordinator and quarterback coach at Rutgers in 2017. Uh, and then he retired, but he's going to get back into coaching, going to be an assistant, uh, a special assistant to Gary Patterson uh, at TCU. Uh, both Kansas natives. Uh, he's going to be in charge of the Horn Frogs offense, but he's not going to be an on-field guy. So it sounds like he's going to be in a, a similar role. He was at Virginia Tech last year under Coach Justin Fuente, another TCU guy. Mm-hmm. And that guy's TCU ties. Um, his, he was there, um, and so it sounds like he'll be in the booth. It sounds like he won't mm-hmm. he won't be uh, on the field, you know, calling plays or anything like that. But he'll just be more of an, an analyst. But it's a, a relatively big name coming to the TCU coaching staff. It's Jerry Kill. Uh, I'm trying is going to find to the tie between him and Coach. Meese left, uh, left a good comment here. He said, wait, is he the uh, is he an assistant coach or an assistant to the coach? He is a special Which assistant <laughs> to Coach Gary Patterson. Yes. Which that is his official for title. For all you yeah. office fans yes. out there, we appreciate that That is official. Uh, yeah. We're, uh, we're going to pizza. Assistant to the coach. We're going to Alfredo's Pizza Cafe after this. Um, yeah, I don't <laughs> know. Um yeah, I, I'm trying to, I know there's there's a there's a Francione tie. They just go way but, way back. Yeah. Like they're just, like I guess they. I, I wonder if they were both. They're bros. On the staff, there are a couple other things by the way that Brian Applewhite's going to be the new running backs coach, and Doug Meacham, who's been the co offensive coordinator, is going to uh, be returned to the mm-hmm. inside receivers and tight ends coach. I was going to say they kind of. I thought they overlapped. No, I thought they overlapped at Pittsburgh State under Francione, but they they were kind of like a year, they're like missing each other by a year. So I'm really curious. They must just that. have like been in the same orbit, maybe or something like yeah. that. Anyways, but anyway, Jerry Kill has joined the staff at TCU. Let's talk about a a, a very um, troubling situation with Jet Duffy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jet Duffy, of course, the former Mister Texas Football Player of the Year uh, here at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. And the Texas Tech quarterback is oh, he's announced that he was going to transfer. Um, he he went it, it looked like he was going to transfer to Tulane. He even tweeted about it saying, Hey, here I'm gonna land at Tulane. Uh, and then suddenly he wasn't. Uh, and then it looked like he was gonna go to central Michigan, and then he was um, denied admission uh, to central Michigan. What we are now hearing and reading is that this is related to Title Nine. 
uh, you may remember back in 2017 um, uh, that he was uh, he had a complaint filed against him uh, in Title IX. Uh, he was um, he served a suspension. Uh, and he w- but he was never criminally charged uh, for uh, uh, committing two counts of sexual assault against an incapacitated woman. Um, he was then, you know, he he's consistently maintained his innocence. I think that's important. Uh, but he, you know, basically he 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 was he was punished for for uh, according to Title IX, uh, and then he was put back onto the football team. Um, apparently, from what we understand, there is a, another report out from the um, from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal uh, that a second allegation has been made against uh, was made back in March, uh, and and most most I think importantly, it, not importantly, that's the wrong way. Uh, most notably, I should say, is that this is not an this is not an anonymous uh, report. Uh, as as the the woman who is who has filed the complaint against Jet Duffy has gone on the record uh, with her name and things like that. It's not important for me to tell you her name, but um, that is that she said that this that uh, Duffy allegedly uh, raped and possibly drugged her in an off-campus incident in the early morning. And so what we are understanding is that the Jet Duffy, the reason Jet Duffy cannot find a place to transfer is because of these Title IX issues. And, uh, you know, obviously those are pretty heavy issues. Uh, we're going to keep an eye on this to see if and where Jet Duffy lands uh, for a transfer because he's obviously a notable player uh, here in the state of Texas and in the college football world. Uh, here's another story and a weird one. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about a gentleman named... Detravian Brown. Detravian Brown is now a wide receiver who is signed with the University of North Texas. He's a a, 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 a prospect out of Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, it is a he was a three star commit or a three star prospect. Nice little get for for North Texas. Nice little get. So here's the funny thing though, is that on National Signing Day, he was sitting at a table. Everybody was wondering where Detravian Brown was going to commit. He reaches into a bag under the table and pulls out an Ole Miss hat. Puts on an Ole Miss hat and says, I'm going to the Rebels. Well, here's the thing. Ole Miss never announced the signing. And then Ole Miss officials told ESPN that Brown did not receive a formal offer, nor was he sent scholarship papers. There is an extremely weird situation here. Um, here's a, uh, he, he made a statement on Twitter trying to explain it. Uh, Detravian Brown said, quote, until yesterday, I was pretty sure I was on my way to Ole Miss. The assumption was based on a verbal offer from the school and reassurance even into the final hours that I would receive my national letter of intent today. As you know, that is not the case. Words cannot descri- uh, describe uh, the stress and disappointment this has caused my family. However, I'm optimistic about my future as a collegiate football player and will continue to strive to make my dreams a reality. Well, North Texas swooped in and scooped this kid up. <laughs> And said, "All right, come play for us." Uh, and so you, you know, you know, talk about a kid playing with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, North uh, Seth Luttrell tweeted about it and said, "Hey, we're happy to have Travian Brown on on, on our, uh, our our signing class." So uh, a bizarre situation. But uh, the the long story short is that North Texas has landed a three star recruit out of Shreveport uh, named Travian Brown, uh, a name to know there at uh, Northwood High School, I should say, Northwood High School in Shreveport. Finally. There was football this weekend. Mm-hmm. 
The XFL made its debut uh, with two games in the state of Texas. Yep. One uh, on Saturday as the Houston Roughnecks uh, beat the hold on the LA Wildcats 37 to 17, and then yesterday in Arlington as the Dallas Renegades lost to the St. Louis BattleHawks 15 to nine. Can we just address the fact too that LA is having the mascot the Wildcats is like easily the weakest uh, well, mascot in the well, XFL and well and especially. When you're grading on the XFL curve, yeah. where you've got the Renegades yeah. and the Vipers yeah. and the Dragons and Defenders, yeah, like out of like we went through the, the whole list, and I was like, yeah. you couldn't even the the Wildcats, like that's one of the most basic mascots <laughs> you weak. can have. <laughs> I got it. It was a little weak, but in any case, um, that is uh, that uh, it, it went down. Yes, uh, I watched. I swam through it. I mm-hmm. watched a, a, a fair bit of it there, especially in the, the, the second half of the Renegades game. Um, of course, it, worth mentioning that our good friend, the dearly departed Pucci, mm-hmm. is now uh, working for the Dallas Renegades. It, it sounded like, in reading it, in reading kind of reaction, it sounded like it was pretty positive overall, uh, the, the reception to the XFL. Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean... I mean, me. I'm I'm the biggest skeptic in the world, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to like expanding football in general. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like foot, the the reason why we cherish football in the way we do is because it's more of a, a confined time to mm-hmm. the fall and things like that. And so, like last year when the AAF took off and everyone was like, "Oh, this thing's great," and then it really wasn't. It was mostly like mm-hmm. there there was a lot of overpraising of some mediocre play mm-hmm. and presentation. If we're being honest. Um, and so I was the biggest skeptic, and then I saw the fir- I saw both games basically in full on Saturday, and then I saw a, mm-hmm. co- uh, a quarter of the Renegades game on Sunday. And I mean, they're doing enough to where like, yes, anything below the NFL is gonna be is gonna have some rough spots, right, in terms mm-hmm. of quality of play. Um, you know, you don't watch Mizzou. I don't watch Texas State for the quality of play, right? There are right. other <laughs> factors that go into mm-hmm. why we like high, even high school football, yeah. right? Not every not every kid goes to play D1 football right. in Texas. Um, but people love watching it for certain reasons. And I think the XFL did a good job of showcasing that mm-hmm. and, like, highlighting aspects other than just the on-field product. Uh, the presentation of the way the interviews are conducted, the coaches being mic'd, the quarterback being mic'd. Um, the rest being mic'd was really fascinating. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be something that the NFL might adopt in a couple of years because of transparency on all that. But, like, the idea that, like, a quarterback or uh, what was the first game? Uh, Seattle, D.C. The fact that Brandon Silvers from Seattle can throw an interception and then get a mic in his face on the sideline. Yeah. And like, hey, what happened on that throw? And it was like, they oh, They did that right, with the, has- uh, the kicker, too. He yeah. straight up missed the kick. And they well, said, first, hey, First he made happened? a kick. They didn't interview him. Then he missed the yeah. kick. Yeah. Come on, bro. What happened? <laughs> what happened on that kick? kick? But it's like things like that where you're like, oh, that's like – it's funny to us, but it's also interesting and be like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of want to see what the quarterback was, what was yeah. going through his head on that play. And I think that's the key is you can't – like if you're going to do something different here with mm-hmm. this league, you have to you have to go into it knowing, hey, it's going to be different. Like we're going right. to try and do things. Like we don't want to mirror the NFL. We want to have right. good football on the field. Right. But we want to make this a different experience so people want to tune in rather than thinking this is just not as good football. You right. Know? The right. XFL, like it, it, it's ha- – it, like, and, and so such with the AAF, and it's an unfair comparison because the XFL, I think, is on steadier ground. Well, I think well, financially, I think I think we kind of realized that. Uh, I don't know if you know, but the AAF pushed 
to come out basically a year early when they heard the X-Files was coming yeah. back. And so, like, when they came out last year, they didn't have... I mean, you saw the TV deal. What was it? CBS yeah. and, like, CBS Network, mm-hmm. maybe? Uh, obviously, the X-Files has so much more... Uh, ESPN uh, and Fox, basically. Yeah. ABC and Fox. Right. And so, like, the AAF, they rushed to kind of get to the gate first, and, like, obviously, the product just wasn't good. They had no money, things like that. And the X-Files definitely was a more concentrated and, and, and uh, thought-out rollout. Um I mean, I, I think it helps having, like, you go go back and look at the AAF coaches and head coaches, and it was mm-hmm. definitely, like, a lot of, like, blah. I felt like a lot of sk- schematic-wise, like Mike Martz, mm-hmm. like, when was the last time Mike Martz was they, running a fun yeah. offense? I mean, they one. went in there, and it's like, I think they knew um, that the XFL, that, that they were not going to get the high, like, they were not going to get Lamar Jackson, sure, right? They're sure. not going to get Lamar Jackson. But what they can do is they can still go get high-profile coaches mm-hmm. and make them the center. I'll tell you what, P.J. Walker looks a lot of fun running June Jones's offense sure. uh, yeah. for the Roughnecks. Right. Like, June was... Jones and Bob Stoops and, and Mark Trestman, right? Yeah. And it's like, these Pat are Hamilton. like, like these, are these, names. Are, these are big names, yeah. right? Chuck Long was, was calling right. call plays, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting, I, I thought that overall it was a pretty darn good first first week yeah uh, i think there are some things to iron out i think that some of the rule changes are really interesting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, i love i love the extra point how mm-hmm. it's one point two points or three points and you just move the ball accordingly mm-hmm. like I, I love that addition um i love the running clock with two minutes to go yes. i think it's basically just always running so you're kind of like really uh, and and one small thing that i will say that i think changes everything mm-hmm. and i never understood why they don't do it is in the nfl the quarterback has an earpiece and then he goes and he he relays to everybody else Mm -hmm. on the xfl everybody has an earpiece Mm -hmm. right and they're and so the coach is able to call the play to everybody they don't which if you talk about speeding up the game Mm -hmm. that means you don't have to huddle that means you can go out there we can all get in a position we can do that and stuff like that i thought that was really really interesting uh there's a lot of a lot of talk about the kickoff i personally love the kickoff i like it too I I need to see it more. I need okay. to, I, I it's too weird for me right now. Well, the here well the thing is, I mean, it's to me it's either this in 10 years it's, to me it's either this version of the kickoff or no kickoff or no kickoff at all. Right. I agree. And and so it's a really interesting idea. Mm-hmm. I think I need to let it soak a little bit more before I'm willing to jump in and I say I think that one I of the criticisms it. of it that I don't necessarily agree with is that uh, when you look at it face value, you're like, "Oh, that looks like there's going to be a lot more returns, right? Returns mm-hmm. for touchdowns." Not necessarily, because like there's if no anything, block. I think there'll be fewer. There's going to be yeah. fewer because yeah. there's no lanes to block. Mm-hmm. Like there's no more like uh, gaps or anything like that. Like you know, you always talk. Uh, special teams coaches always talk about fill your lane, mm-hmm. things like that. When you're going down the field, you're only five yards apart. So like right. it's just you're hitting a man, and like you're just you know. It's I less saw gaps. a lot of people on Twitter talking about that 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 style of kickoff is going to make it safer too like i know like that's oh, oh yeah no that's, that's, not, i think that's the big reason that, yeah exactly yards. i think that reason. that is a another good point it's yeah. it's it was i overall i i really i really thought it was really solid mm-hmm. and i thought that it was a a, a good step in, in the right direction i think there are some some kinks to iron out i think that maybe interviewing the kicker right after he makes <laughs> <laughs> this the kick is not the best well i'm also i mean the, uh, from a presentation standpoint like yeah. a lot of the reporters are learning too. Obviously. Yes. Like, yeah. uh, uh, I did appreciate Greg McElroy on the call. Yeah. Because uh, when the, when you hear the coach call a play, he was able to dissect what that play is. Uh, similar to how we kind of praise Tony Romo yes. for doing that. Um, I kind of hope that's kind of the route they go with these color commentators. But also like uh, the sideline reporters, you could tell. Like, I know some people were getting mad at the reporters. Like, why are you asking a kicker? You know, what are the you know yeah. blah, blah blah. I guarantee you, 
Somebody's in that reporter's ear saying, "Hey, go talk to the kicker." Oh yeah, like, oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> not, that's, that's not, he's not doing that by himself. Yeah, that's not the reporter going. I'm going to go embarrass this kicker. It's yeah. like oh, the no. producer's like, "Hey, go talk to the guy who just missed." Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. So it was a it was a a a, a brave new world there as the XFL launches. Yeah. Uh, the state of Texas goes one and one uh, this uh, in the first week. Yeah. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. I want to invite you to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. It's our subscription package. Two magazines, a year's worth of exclusive online content at TexasFootball.com. Uh, including access to our archives. If you want to get the 2020 summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football mailed directly to you before it hits newsstands, become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. That's my pitch. TexasFootball.com slash insider. It makes a great gift as well. Uh, TexasFootball.com slash insider to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Get your sweetheart one for uh, Valentine's Day. Yeah, Valentine's Day is Friday. Friday. You almost you, you almost stumble on that date there. Oh yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> My no, hold on. It's a it's Friday. It's Friday, Friday. and more importantly, Think. my wife's birthday is Monday. Okay, right? there you go. So yeah. I right. You so that's priority. why you have a priority. Th- thank you. Okay. Yeah. Thank yeah, that's you. Fine. That's, that's fine. Thank you. <laughs> Ashley, let's go to the hotline, and let's bring in the head coach of. Your Orangefield Bobcats. We're going down to the 409, talk a little Bobcats football with the head coach of Orangefield. It is Coach Josh Smalley. Coach, how are you? Hey, doing great, man. How about yourself? Excellent. How are things way down south? Well, uh, if I had hair, if I was blessed to have hair, it'd be a bad hair day today. It's about 70 degrees, no wind, and about 100% humidity. But other than that, it's great. Uh, I, I want to ask you a little bit about your 2019 uh, season. You guys, sure. I, I think, kind of uh, very quietly put together some, some history there in Orangefield. The first nine-win season uh, for that program, uh, you got to go all the way back to the 80s. I want to say 1988 before you get back yeah. to a, a time you guys were able to win nine games. Uh, when, when did you know maybe that you had something special there in Orangefield? In all honesty, it started last off season around January. You know, uh, when we when we didn't make the playoffs the year before, uh, as one of the biggest three A teams in the state, you know, I had to be humble enough to look in the mirror and figure out where I went wrong as a head coach. And uh, uh, you know, it took me some soul searching things where I could get better as a staff and as a program. And uh, to be honest with you, me and Jeff Matthews, head coach of Vider, we traveled to Liberty Hill uh around january and uh we went and watched them go through off season and watch them uh, talk to a little football with coach walker and uh it took me about 30 seconds as to watching off season to figure out where we had went wrong and uh those guys were tougher than we were the, the off season workout they put them through was strenuous um and and I, I looked at jeff and i said man if, if we did this to our kids they would all quit and uh, and then about 10 minutes later, I said, you know what? I, I think I'm underselling our kids a little bit. And so we, we came back as a staff. We sat down and figured out what we could do that Liberty Hill did that we can do. Obviously, it's not the same. They have more facilities and coaches and stuff. But um, and we, we sat down and we challenged the kids. We told them why we were changing things. We told them that we were trying to develop a little, a little tougher mentality, a little tougher physicality to our game. 
you know, us and Liberty Hill run the same offense, same type kids. One went to the state championship game against La Vega, and one didn't make the playoffs. So what was the difference? And uh, we figured out that it was uh, the toughness that they had and the ability to fight through adversity. We wanted to develop that in our culture. And uh, to our kids' credit, they 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 went in, they went all in for it. And uh, so when I saw them adjust to the work and not be scared of it and things like that, I knew we had, we were on the verge of something special. And uh, it paid off in the fall for us. Yeah, and you know the the game that really stands out to me for y'all, and I I, I, I hate to bring up a loss, but the, it's it's the, <laughs> it's the East Chambers game because that is yeah. you go back to 2018. Uh, and it was, I mean, let's be honest, it was a no contest, right? East Chambers kind of uh, 41 to nothing. It was a dominant effort there from the Buccaneers. A good East Chambers team, but, you know, a dominant, dominant win for East Chambers. You know, the the next year, you know, 12 months later, it's a one. It, it's 28-23. And it's, you know, yeah. you guys are playing them a lot tougher to me. And I'm interested to see if you agree. That tells uh, as much a story of the growth of your team, uh, even though the result may have been the same in the win column. But it seems like that was proof positive that you guys were moving in the right direction. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, I agree with you with that. Uh, we went over there two years ago, and it, it was 41 nothing. It very could have probably easily been 80 to nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, Coach Sutherland uh, took it easy on us a little bit there towards late in the game, and uh, I, I walked off the field as disappointed as, as a as a head coach as I've ever been. Really, as an assistant or a head coach, I feel like we didn't fight, we didn't compete, and we didn't give any effort. And uh, you know, I can take a loss any day of the week if I feel like our kids competed and gave all their effort. We, st- I, I can take that, but I can't take quitting. And uh, that's what I thought we did. And uh, so when we played them this year, we played them for homecoming. And uh, obviously they have some talented kids and they're well coached. And, uh, you know, we took the first drive and went about 11 minutes off the clock, kicked a field goal. And they went about two plays. The next drive and went about 75. And, uh, you know, the speed those guys had was phenomenal. Uh, but to our kids' credit, we, we, we were physical and we were tough. And uh, Coach told me after the game that we had improved so much. And physically we took it to them. And I even got a phone call the next day talking about how much we had improved. And so – it, it let me know we were heading in the right direction. Uh, still didn't know how many games we'd end up winning, but I knew we were on the right path. We're talking with Josh Smalley, the head coach of the Orangefield Bobcats here on Texas Football Today. Get involved with the conversation hashtag TF Today. Uh, coach, I'm always interested in talking with coaches who, who run something like the slot T, which is a t, uh, uh, an offense that uh, you guys don't make superstars. In fact, that's not the, the, the whole point is that basically there are no superstars on a team like that. Uh, and yet, I, I know that your kids are watching the NFL or they're watching college football and they, they see all these guys who with these gaudy stat lines. Uh, how do you get kids to buy in on an offense that is, you know, not predicated on making superstars, where you say, look, you're probably not getting your name in the paper. You're not getting your name yeah. in the headlines. How do you get kids to buy in on something like that? It's not just the kids. I mean, it's the community yeah. as well. And so, you know, the, don't think the community don't sit up there and say, hey, throw the ball or, hey, do this, or why don't we go spread or why don't we do this? But in all honesty, you know, I think we're honest with our kids. Yeah, we tell them why we do it. You know, we don't, we're don't. we not going to line up in Austin and win the state track meet in four-by-one. Uh, we, we run this offense, number one, because we believe in it, number two, because we believe it gives us a chance to be successful against teams that are sometimes are more athletic than us. You know, uh, if we line up in a track meet with West Orange and East Chambers and those guys – you know, we're not going to stand a chance, but if we if we grind that clock down and we're physical and we don't allow their offense to touch the football and we, we do that kind of stuff, we got a chance. And so we sell our kids on that, and they believe in it 100%. And uh, sure, do they want to throw the ball more, you know, every now and then we'll get, you know, they'll say some kind of jokingly about it and all that. But it's about it's about the team. Uh, I think Belichick said it's about the team, T-E-A-M, and it's about winning. And uh, if this is the way we can convince our kids that we're going to be successful and win football games, then they're all into it. 
Uh, one guy I want to I want to ask you about. I know he's 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 off uh, to, to to the next level, but uh, but Chase Broussard was such a star for you guys on on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, an all district kid on both sides uh, of the ball. I'm interested. You know, I can look at the numbers and I can tell you that he's that he's a great player. But you're the guy who gets to see him every day in practice. What what is it? What was it about Chase Broussard that that made him so special? He he grew up a lot during the summer during off season. He was one of those guys when I was talking about off season. He bought in hook, line, and sinker, and he devoted himself to the weight room, and he got bigger and stronger, uh, and then he became a more vocal leader. Uh, you could tell he didn't like the way the season before ended, and he was going to do everything in his power to see that it didn't happen again, but he was a coachable kid. Uh, he gave effort in practice just like he did in the game. Uh, he competed. He hated to lose. Uh, he was a team guy. If he got you know 20 carries on offense, great. If he got four, great. If he if he played on special teams, good. If he didn't, good. It's whatever it took to win, and he bought in 100%, and that made mentality and mindset of the toughness he's one of our tougher kids you know he's one of those guys that i had to kind of pull the reins on a little bit during the games to make sure he didn't you know uh get into an altercation or or get a penalty and things like that but that was his competitiveness of wanting to win and wanting to fight and wanting to play and i think that attitude rubbed off on a lot of our younger guys and we're seeing that now in all season you know they continue that same uh, attitude and so uh we're gonna we're gonna hate to lose him because he was so effective on both sides of the ball Josh Smalley of Orangefield joining us here. Coach, I want to ask you about realignment. You guys are making the, the move up from 3A Division One to 4A Division II. Um, and, um, well, you're in the district with West Orange, Stark, and Silsby. So I guess my question for you is, is who did you make mad at the UIL? Nobody. You know, uh, I, I, if I've, uh, I've gotten, you know, condolence texts and condolence emails and, and phone calls and stuff, and you, you know, and uh, – and to be honest with you, we knew where we were going to be when the numbers came out in October or December. Uh, so it wasn't really a shock. It was kind of, okay, who are they going to put with us? Are they going to move Jasper South or Jasper North? You know, what are they going to do with HJ and other sports and stuff like that? But I'll be honest with you, in eight years as a head coach here, six of those have been in Class 4A Division Two with West Orange and those guys. And we finished in the playoffs five of those six. So uh, it's nothing our kids aren't used to. It's nothing our community isn't used to. I guess people thought we were supposed to crawl up in a corner and cry or something. I don't know. Uh, but that's not our community's mentality. It's not my mentality. It's not our kids' mentality. We're going to compete where they tell us to compete, and uh, it hadn't changed our expectations. It hadn't changed our work ethic. Uh, things certainly have gotten a little tougher, obviously, with Silsby and uh, West Orange, and not only them, but with Finette and Brick City and uh, Liberty and Hard Jefferson. So it's a it's a tough competitive district, but nothing that we're not familiar with. But more importantly, uh, is that something that you you are you know honest with your kids about? Not to say that you would ever lie to your kids, but is that something that that you say, look? This is what we're going to have to go through. Is that something you guys are talking about, or is it just we're going to we're going to you know focus on on, on us? Yeah, I mean to to an extent, I told the kids when we got back from the UIL meeting on Monday that uh, hey, we'll talk about next year, next year, and uh, we've got the rest of this semester in three A with all of our sports going on that are competitive and things we're doing. We got to focus on that as well. We can't necessarily look ahead. Uh, but it, but we did talk to them in the next couple of days about here are the expectations. Here's what the outside world thinks of you. Here's why we're doing this, and, and I, you, you can't say it makes it work. It makes us work harder because that would insinuate we wouldn't we weren't working hard to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, but we do worry about us. I can't worry about what Cornell's doing with West Orange and what Coach Shea's own Bridge City are doing. I can only worry about what the Bobcats are doing. And uh, our kids were kind of fired up, to be honest with you. They they accept the challenge. They they understand. They're fired up to play Bridge City again. We haven't played them since 2013, I think. So they're fired up about that. And so, you know, nobody went to a corner and cried at a ball. You know, we all just kind of got back to work. It is what it is. Let's go compete. 
He's Josh Smalley. He's the head coach of the Orangefield Bobcats. Follow him on Twitter at CoachSmalley23. Coach, really appreciate your time. Congratulations again on a, a fantastic 2019, and uh, we'll be talking to you down the road. Hey, appreciate you guys. Thanks for all the coverage y'all do. Absolutely. There he goes, Josh Smalley, the head coach of the Orangefield Bobcats, joined us here on Texas Football Today. Uh, great year for them. Obviously, whenever you, you win the most games you've ever won uh, since 1988, uh, you're doing something pretty special. So appreciate Coach Josh Molly hopping on with us. And now we go to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment, Final Thoughts. Um, so there were no really, like, final thoughts in the comments, but I have a final thought. Um, oh, no. First off, what are what's y'all's opinion on Pop-Tarts? Uh, I don't think I've had a Pop-Tart in years, but I, mean, yeah. I liked them as a kid. Uh, they seem fine. Yeah, I liked them as a kid. Uh, yeah, I I don't I don't actively seek them out, right? Mm, yeah, basically. I don't think I've bought a pop tart. If somebody know. offered me, I'd be like, oh, sure, yeah, uh, yeah, I that in a while. Like, like, okay. Yeah, I wouldn't turn it down. Yeah, I wouldn't turn it down. But okay. I'm not gonna go out and get one. Okay. Well, the reason I ask is because I was on Twitter this morning mm-hmm. and I saw that Pop Tarts are coming out with a new pretzel Pop Tart. So it's like like the the crust, I guess you could call it, of the Pop Tart are pretzels. And then it's got a chocolate filling. I just didn't know what the what the huh. the consensus was on huh. a pretzeled. I, gu- I guess you call it a crust. I just want everybody to stay in their lane. That's so much to <laughs> ask. I want everybody to stay in their lane. Fill your lane. We don't need baby nut. We don't need <laughs> that- pretzel oh, pop tarts. Yeah. Like we don't. Th- I will say this now. I say that, and yet we were on our trip uh, to College Station. We stopped at Bucky's, yeah, and twice that, on the way there and on the way back. Of course, that's I'm once sorry. each time. What are you talking about? It was yeah. great. No, that's <laughs> one time good. each. Thank you. I got a whale. Uh, and that woman over there, <laughs> okay, comes out of Bucky's uh-huh. with a bag of flaming hot funyuns. Flamin' Hot Funyuns. Okay, hold on. Continue. There's a postscript to this story. Continue. The postscript is she gave me one, and I've got to tell you. Pretty good. Not bad. Yeah, okay. Not bad. Again, I told you when I ate it, I said, I don't want more than, like, four of these. Right, and I told him, like, I can only, like, I have to, that's the best part about getting, like, Flamin' Hot Funyuns Mm -hmm. is you take it, like, a fourth of the bag at a time. (laughs) So, like, on the way back, I had some more Flamin' Hot Funyuns. Like, it was a snack that... It's the that gift that keeps on giving. giving. And but yeah, I was like, "Hey, do you like Funyuns?" And he's like, "I haven't had a Funyun in a long time." I was like, "Well, here you go." Here so I opened go. up and gave it to him, and he goes, "This is not bad." This is not bad. <laughs> yeah, I had I had big fears when I was like, eh. uh, "Right, flaming uh, hot Funyuns and a, and a sweet tea." That is a that is a snack combo that is almost unbeaten. Okay. Okay. You heard it here first, guys. That's going to do it for us. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Campbells, And, of course, see us at texasfootball.com. Thanks to Josh Smalley from Orangefield for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle and Ishmael Johnson, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please can be your Player of the Year trophy. Tune in tomorrow for the 901st episode spectacular here on Texas Football Today.